0: Welcome everybody to the Kibble Show. I'm Leaf. I'm Ken. And I'm Bob. And I'm Kendra. Uh, fueled by Coke, not sponsored, but Fueled by Coke. We're back after Bob's three-week vacation out west. Thanks for joining us again. We missed you.
1: Well, I missed you guys too.
0: Aw. Uh, this week we're gonna get right into it. Our topic is why America is great. Um Bobby, you wanna you wanna start? You know, this is uh, a subject
1: that's near and dear to our hearts. We had uh, a question raised during the summertime. We won't go any deeper than that, but but so we are answering that question. Why is America great? And uh, America is great uh, for a number of reasons, but I love the uh, the uh, talk that I heard by a person by the name of Cleon Skousen who discusses about our founding fathers and their family. Uh, Physi- uh, metaphysical foundation that's the uh, the modern term for spiritual you can't use the word spiritual in school anymore so they use the word metaphysical metaphysical foundation huh. to a great civilization so uh, he said there is a spiritual foundation a founding upon it. Uh, th- see there is a spiritual founding on which this nation and the constitution is built and George Washington said that if future generations do not preserve the spiritual foundation of the structure will fall, um, and that's that's a prophecy. So we, I guess, we could discuss a little bit about the spiritual foundation or the metaphysical foundation of our country. Um,
0: uh, so the, the speech "God's Hand in the Founding of America" by Elder L. Tom Perry. This was an address delivered February twenty fourth, nineteen seventy six, at BYU. I believe I will find it eventually. Um he talked about that um so while you're looking for that yeah, keep talking
1: i will tell you a little bit about the 1787 passage of the northwest ordinances which um which pretty much dictated what schools were to teach and three of the things that the founding fathers felt that schools should teach in our schools is uh, religion morality and knowledge being necessary to good government that's a foundation that all schools should teach Uh, religion morality and knowledge and the question then is raised whose religion should they teach and the answer is everybody's religion what is everybody's religion what is the Five things that every religion can agree on that should be taught. There's a higher power. Okay. Recognition of and worship of a creator. That's absolutely correct. That's
0: one of the five. That's one of the five.
1: Uh, Number two is a moral code of behavior and of happy living. Number Mm -hmm. three is responsible for how we treat each other. So there's a higher power, as you said, or a God, and that God will hold us responsible at some point for how we treat other people. And then all mankind will live beyond this life. And number five, we will all be judged for the conduct that we perform in this life. Hmm. I agree. And based on those uh, five principles, we became the greatest country in the world. Because of the founding fathers' belief that we are a country founded on religious moral values.
0: Something in Elder Perry's talk, this was, it was split up into two different sections and he was showing some posters and this one was under the inspired document portion. It says, no constitution on earth has endured longer than ours. We seek and usually find the answers to today's hardest legal questions within this document of yesterday. The constitution was and is a miracle. Both Washington and Madison referred to it as such. It was an inspired document written under the divine guidance of the Lord. James Madison, commonly called the father of the Constitution, recognized this inspiration and gave the credit to the guardianship and guidance of the almighty being whose power regulates the destiny of nations, whose blessings have been so conspicuously displayed to the rising of this republic. We believe that the Constitution was brought about, by God, to ensure a nation where liberty could abound, where his gospel could flourish. Joseph Smith said, the Constitution of the United States is a glorious standard. It is founded in the wisdom of God. It is a heavenly banner.
1: Well said. I'm going to play this quote by, uh, this is a story that and teaches here. If I can get it to come up the way I want it to. Hold on a second, I'm looking for... This one moment where it's going to start without having to play a whole bunch of other stuff. Okay. 1931,
2: a young judge came from France to uh, study our prisons. In France, they had a lot of people in prisons. We didn't have so many people in prisons in America. So he wanted to know why. So he came over to study them. He got over here and he looked around. He was amazed. He said to some of the people, where's your government? Oh, they said, we've got one. <laughs> he said well I don't see it who's running things oh they said we are he said I really believe you're right fascinating so he gave up the study of prisons and started studying the whole system the freedom system He was here for about two years, nearly two years, and he went went back to France and wrote his great classic, Democracy in America, probably one of the finest in-depth analysis of the greatness of America that has ever been written, either before or since. Listen to what he says. On my arrival in the United States, the religious aspect of the country was the first thing that struck my attention. And the longer I stayed there, the more I perceived the great political consequences resulting from this new state of things. He says, religion in America takes no direct part in the government of society, but it must be regarded as the first of their political institutions. Now that's what you heard in the Northwest Ordinance that good government and the welfare of society depends upon teaching religion, morality and knowledge. That's what he's saying. It's the first of their political institutions. I do not know whether, whether all Americans have a sincere faith in their religion, for who can search the human heart? But I am certain that they hold it to be indispensable to the maintenance of Republican institutions. This opinion is not peculiar to a class of citizens or to a party, but it belongs to the whole nation and to every rank of society. Now he says European philosophers were wrong. The philosophers of the 18th century explained in a very simple manner the gradual decay of religious faith. Religious zeal said they must necessarily fail the more general liberty is established and knowledge diffused. In other words Uh, They were saying that as science expands, religion, which is really um, a myth, will disappear. He says, unfortunately, the facts by no means accord with their theory. There are certain populations in Europe whose unbelief is only equaled by their ignorance and debasement. While in America, one of the freest and most enlightened nations in the world, the people fulfill with fervor all the outward duties of religion see these are books that we should be reading again that re-establish the confidence and the of, of the fundamentalism that is contained in the first free people of modern times bobby, now as i tried to bobby the well, we have this section
3: well, as Bob. <laughs> Well, he never shuts up, does he? <laughs> neither does your neither, does neither does phone. That's funny.
1: Okay, let's have a little discussion. Go ahead. What I get from that, what I get from that, is that the founding fathers, who who uh, were inspired to create this country and, and to found this country on the on the principles of w- what would make it succeed told us the ingredients that they put into making this country succeed, told us what we needed to do to have a successful country, and told us what would happen if we took those ingredients out. Namely, the foundation being um, uh, said that we would need to have a uh, foundation of um, religion, knowledge, and morality. And you take those three things away and you lose your freedoms. You lose your country. Now, you look at where we're at today and you've got to ask, what's the difference between our country today and our country in the day that Tokerville wrote his book?
3: We're having another bump in the road right now in this country. This is still the greatest country on earth. You're here. Um, this, This is a sacred place. Um, and I believe that from the scriptures. I also believe that we, want, we will get through these times right now, and we are having some very difficult times, um, but it doesn't change the fact that we have survived 200 plus years. We've done a lot of things in this country that we should be ashamed of. Slavery for one, what we've done to the American Indians, but we've learned from those. Look where we are as far as where we've come with uh, the racial pro- racial problems in this country other than a handful of people that are trying to still throw it out there and make us sound like a racist country which we are not it's a melting pot if we all felt the same and thought the same it would be a very dull place to be yeah um i think having all these um Well, basically, all all the people that have come here from other countries that have made this their home, we learn from them. We learn from their societies what they've, what they've escaped from. A lot of them. Um, I. I I think that we need to stay focused on keeping this country great. like you said earlier, Bob, morality, um, how we treat our other neighbors or other people in this country. Um, We've gotten away from that. We've become a very divided and angry country, you know, in our, in ourself. And I personally think some of that is because religion is not, the priority that used to be when this country was
0: first um, developed. Yeah. so Some of the the quotes that I wrote down, one of them I see going around every once in a while. It says, if the United States saw what the United States is doing in the United States, the United States would invade the United States to liberate the United (laughs) States from the tyranny of the United States. I like that. I like Um, that. Who said that? Uh, you know, I don't I don't know the source of it. It goes around on Twitter every once in a while I see it in the the meme community But Ken what you started talking about with people coming from other other countries one of one of our good friends from out in school um, He was from South America. I don't remember which country, but I first met him uh in our economics class and um i re- was might have been venezuela but one of the the tough countries down there one of the communist run countries and and he said i am in this economics class to learn why american economics work because communist economics do not work um i had a gal she was in my uh english class and she was transfer student from russia and she was like you guys don't know how good you guys have it like you can bash your presidents you can bash the people in power and she goes we couldn't do that back home if we did people went missing and like i think people nowadays have a very self-centered view instead of a worldwide view they're just focusing on our problems versus the problems that are outside of our little bubble here Another two things I know where one of the quotes came from but one of them hating your country is like hating your parents and still living in their home Move (laughs) out and be happy somewhere else Um, This I do remember um, October maybe of last year, but this was Pitbull he Rapper, hip-hop artist, Cuban-American. Mr. Worldwide. I'll censor it, but he said, to whoever doesn't like the United States of America, may God bless you, but F you at the same time. If you don't like the United States of America, go back to the countries that we're from, and you'll see how much you appreciate the United States of America. You're here. Amen. I'll drive. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I I
3: agree. agree. It's the freedoms that we have the freedom of religion the freedom of speech a lot of countries as Kendra said don't have that they don't have the right to stand there and trash their president or trash their leaders without going missing and, that, and that's even in 2022 that happens yeah and i think there are a lot of people in this country that have forgotten just how good we have it here
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know there's a another famous quote that I, I've read a few times and that is that there's opposition in all things and um, as soon as you build a great house mother nature's working on destroying it and as soon as this country was built opposition was working on destroying it and um, and there's people who cannot tolerate the amount of freedom that we have they, they don't feel that, that that's a good thing and so that you know there's always somebody that feels like they can Better dictate and better tell us what we can do to make ourselves better, make ourselves lives better. Um, you know, one of the things that I, I got I can't not say here is, is that one of the things that makes this country so great is the people who serve this country with uh, absolute selflessness. You know, like Ken. I'm gonna I'm gonna point Ken out here. He's a he's a, a vet. He's uh, served in the Navy. Go Navy. Beat Army in the football game. <laughs> Life is good. Uh, <laughs> but but I, I really appreciate that. And I, I look at, uh, you know, my dad was a Navy uh, submariner. And um, I've recently run into some people who served under his command and, uh, and heard their opinions of him and how grateful they were for how good of a leader he was in their lives. And, um, and then you look at some of the things that, are, that we've done as a country to help protect the freedoms of other people. And at the enormous cost that we did that, and um, you know, you cannot, you can't uh, express the greatness of that uh, sacrifice. Right. I mean, even even if you didn't go to war, my dad never went to war. He fought in the Cold War, so he was, uh, but he was gone. He sacrificed his relationship with his kids to be able to do that. I didn't know my dad growing up. Uh, he was gone for three to six months at a pop. Home for three months gone for three months and it's really hard to have a good relationship with a parent when uh when they're never there and so um you know a lot of these people don't know what sacrifice is and don't have a clue of what it takes to make things great they only know what it takes to tear things down i guess
3: now that's one of the reasons that i don't remember when it was 1960 something um President Kennedy's, that might have been an inaugural address, and I'm not even sure, where he says, ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. And I think that really needs to be hammered home today. There are too many takers in this country that just have their hands out. Um, I don't believe in the draft even though I was drafted at the time. um, I would have gone in anyways. We have the best military in the world. We have some of the most dedicated people, um, like Bob said, that sacrifice so much for so many. And not just the people of this country, but for other countries. How much blood have we shed as Americans to help other countries? A lot. A lot.
1: I was um, fortunate to uh, go visit a friend of mine up in Midway, Utah, and I won't mention his name here, but we spent uh, most of a day together uh, with another friend, and he talked about his experiences as a war. He went to war, he went to Vietnam, he went through that experience. And it's not something, you know, I, I just have never really taken in the depth of the sacrifice it's made it's not a matter of i'm leaving june 1st of 1965 and i'll be back in 1968 and then i'm going to put it behind me and i'm going to move on with my life you never put that behind you (laughs) it's uh it's something that keeps him up at night it's something that he suffers through still it's uh the effects of the agent orange the effects of the other things that they've gone through never leave them yeah um you know i yeah it's it's amazing and and we had some really emotional moments and i I, it just hit me how fortunate i was as a as a person not to have had to go through that experience and and how grateful i am for the people who made that possible
3: i tell people oh are you gonna make me cry (laughs) i tell people that don't understand and you know what there's a lot of people that don't understand Take an hour or two out of your time and take a walk through a VA hospital. Right. And see some of these people. When you, when you talk about sacrifices, a lot of people think of the people that have sacrificed everything and that are, they're gone. You know, lost their family members, lost a life. But what about those that are busted up? Yeah. No limbs. Um, who suffer for decades before they pass away. Those, those, how do you ever repay those people? You can't. Right. You can't. The only thing
1: I can think of is that you hold on to the values that this country was founded on and, and pass that on to the next generation. There, there's certain ingredients that go into the creating of something that you cannot change and you cannot make better. You can't improve upon what we, what we got from our founding fathers. You just can't make that any better. Right, a lot of people tried.
3: Right, but it's our responsibility not to destroy it. Right, not to destroy. And, and it, it, this is the corker that gets to me. Our founding fathers, most of them, sacrificed everything for this country. Their homes, their their businesses, everything. Now, this is probably going to cause a little ruffle feathers someplace, but. <laughs> Too bad. <laughs> our politicians today, all they want to do is make themselves better. They go to Washington as a pig farmer, and a year later, they're a millionaire. Yeah, yeah. Um, There's lots of examples of that. You what know, can I do? We we yeah. we have to we have to get back to thinking about saving this country for our kids and our grandkids. You've got. An amazing family. A lot of grandkids. You know. I have two young boys. Hopefully someday I'll have grandkids. But what are we gonna leave them? Yeah. As long as we still have a fight in us, it's our responsibility to continue to strive to make this better and not lose what we've had. Yes, we've made mistakes along the way, but let's let's not make the same mistake again. Let's improve on it. You know. We have uh, visiting with us,
1: Deputy Sheriff Fife. <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> well, we have uh, Ronnie Johnson here, and uh, I think he has something he wants to say.
4: Oh, I've been listening to your conversation here. It's it's pretty good, and, and thankful I am for our veterans and those who serve today. Uh, my cousin, uh, Ben who was a gunnery sergeant in the Marine Corps, uh, suffered a lot, has three purple hearts, and uh, he still suffers to this day, but uh, like Tunnel to Towers, uh, they're taking care of his house for him right now and everything, but a lot of these things have prompted a lot of thoughts in me. Uh, Ezra Taft Benson, who was an apostle of the Lord, uh, his uh, address in a general conference on April 6, 1976, talked a lot about the constitution and the framers and one of the things he quoted was john adams first vice president and second president of the united states when he said our constitution was made only for a moral and religious people it is wholly inadequate to the government of any other and that goes to cleon Scousen's talk and his remarks about that it was only for a moral and religious people. And then later on, um, in that same address, Ezra Taft Benson uh, talks about a quote from the Scriptures, it is a truism from the Lord that when the wicked rule, the people mourn. He also said uh, in that address as well that, Quoting J. Reuben Clark Jr. The price of liberty is and always has been blood, human blood. And if our liberties are lost, we shall never regain them except at the price of blood. They must not be lost. And that is true.
3: Absolutely true.
4: People don't understand that the government of a republic that which we live in and which we have here a a democratic republic a constitutional republic that the government cannot do two things one it cannot create wealth only the people can create wealth the government can tax our wealth but it can't create it
1: you can create poverty yeah (laughs) and it and it cannot
4: create jobs It can only provide jobs based upon taxes that it collects. And if the wealth of the people go away, then the ability for the government to tax is gone as well. And Ronald Reagan beat the Soviet Union, the communists, by making them spend money on the hoax of the Star Wars program. He pulled one off on them, and they spent themselves right out of business. And my hat's off to him. He was uh, definitely a great leader. And I commend his Barry Goldwater speech in 1964, I believe, October, prior to the election that year. So he uh, talked about a lot of things in that and that this was the last place left on earth for true freedom. And how many times do we see it go? and come and go in the thoughts and minds of many people when they really should be thinking about things beyond themselves. You were just referring to a few minutes ago before you introduced me to self-aggrandizement. That happens all too often in our country, in the government.
0: You guys okay if I read some more Elder Perry stuff? Absolutely. Hey, yeah. We're having a great conversation here. Uh, This this part's from the beginning, and then I'll jump towards the end. He said, I look around me and find some very definite signs of the decay that is beginning to occur. Corruption, crime, dishonesty, immorality, pollution, laziness, devotion only to special interests. These are signs that precede the fall of great civilizations. I mean, this was 76. It sounds like he could have said this yesterday. Yesterday, yep we see so much evidence of these signs before our eyes yet i realize the promise that has been given to us in this great land of america i also remember the prophecies concerning our great responsibilities to preserve that which we have been blessed with by god the lord has promised to sustain the truth in this land first from brigham young second president of the church will the constitution be destroyed no it will be held invalid by this people And as joseph smith said the time will come when the destiny of this nation will hang upon a single thread at that critical juncture This people will step forth and save it from the threatened destruction. It will be so and then uh, At the end in one of his sections america's future today We are fortunate to live in a choice and promised land it will remain free and blessed as long as its people remember the God who gave them life and this free land. We must remember that the family is the basic unit of a strong society. We are all part of God's family, and as our Father, He expects, expects us to build strong family units. It is in the family that the basic morality and righteousness should be taught that will keep America free. Each member of every family plays an important role in America for several thousand years throughout this land The great fathers and mothers the noble sons the Patriot sons the choice daughters have forged America into what we have today It is America's conscience that has preserved her America is beautiful only when she is good when children are laughing in her streets and love abounds in her families Without this conscience, civilization crumbles as it has before on this continent. Then one of his last sections, I mean, it, it literally answers the question, America's greatness is based on righteousness. And he said, the source of America's greatness is not a new doctrine to us. The Book of Mormon has declared over and over again that the blessings of heaven are contingent upon the righteousness of its people. In fact, this teaching has been proven in almost every age. Remember in 1831, when the famous French historian Alexis de Tocqueville said, I sought for the greatness and genius of America in her commodious harbors and her ample rivers. And it was not there in her fertile fields and boundless prairies. And it was not there in her rich mines and her vast world of commerce. And it was not there. Not until I went to the churches of America and heard her pulpits aflame with righteousness did I understand the secret of her genius and power. America is great because she is good, and if America ever ceases to be good, America will cease to be great.
3: Yeah, that's Amer- a great book, too. It is. America will cease. Yeah.
1: Period. I'd like to uh, uh, give the... Um, the uh, link or whatever the Cleon Skousen talk that I played a few minutes ago I should give that uh, out and that's Secret to America's Strength by Cleon Skousen from favorite speeches and I guess he gave that speech in the 1970s sometime but he used to work for J. Edgar Hoover
4: Ezra Taft Benson uh, served as Secretary of Agriculture for uh, Dwight D. Eisenhower all eight years of his presidency while serving as an apostle to the Lord yeah but just like Leaf was talking about with Elder Perry um, in the talk by uh, President Benson in 1976, again, James Russell Lowell was asked, how long will the American republic endure? His answer, as long as the ideas of the men who founded it continue dominant. And they have to. And he said in that same talk that... Righteousness is the one indispensable ingredient to liberty and freedom. You have to be a righteous people to be free.
1: Another thing Tocqueville said in his book, I have a copy of that book. It's you do? Book, yeah. Um, is that America? Nice. America's greatness comes from the fact that she's free to do whatever she wants to do, and she has the moral values not to do whatever she wants to do. Hmm. And so when we lose those moral values, you know, I mean... You don't have to go very far to see how that goes. Just turn on the TV. You know, if you can't have a store without people walking in and taking what they want because there's nobody to protect you and there's nothing that you can do about it. That's a distinct loss of moral values. And that's just the tip of the iceberg if we don't, as a country, come together and figure it out.
3: And I think we're starting to see that. I think we're starting to see a shift from the last decade to where we are right now. Uh, we're still having some very... Difficult times, but the American people are waking up and realizing that we're on a we're on a wrong path right now. We're, we're not going down the road that we ought to be going down. Um, we've got kids that are not being able to go to school. Um, you know, when the, for what?
4: Go ahead. I'm no, no, go ahead. No, go go ahead. i
3: was just going to say for what I feel are uh, unconstitutional reasons. Um,
4: Political. Poli- well, yes political reasons rather you, than real life from reasons. Politics
3: becomes
1: more important than life life, and truth. But you know, when the president of El Salvador offers sanctuary status to the people of Chicago, you know that this country's got a problem. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's true. That's a true story. The president of uh, El Salvador offered sanctuary status to anybody from Chicago. <laughs> it's
3: the most dangerous oh, city yeah. in the world. Uh, yeah, well, I was just going to say we can't we can't be a country without borders. We can't be. We are a melting pot. We do have we have a way that you can come to this country. I mean, why why are millions of people flocking to this country? Because it is still the it it's the last great place on earth. On top of the things that they think they can get for free. This country has never had a problem helping the needy. It never has, and I don't believe we ever will. The problem today is, it's not the needy, it's the, I want. The greedy? That's very good, Bob, it is is the greedy. It's what can the country do for me, not what
0: I can do for this country. Um, the new not, bumper sticker. It's not the needy, it's the greedy. There you go. <laughs> Trademark that right now before anyone takes it. Tim.
3: We need to get a handle on this. Um, and I believe we are. Um, what Leaf said a few minutes ago about the Constitution will hang by a thread. Um, that's what they're working on right now. You know, we're that's, all re- that's what they're working on. As they gradually take away a little bit of our our uh, freedoms. Uh, these are God given rights that were given to us, and we're not gonna give them up. So ignorance is um,
1: ignorance <laughs> yeah. not an excuse. It, is it something I said? No. <laughs> no, but I was thinking about, it. you know, uh Skalsen, Skalsen talks about all the things that we used to know, not only as a country but as a church. And all the things that have been lost because we don't study it, you know. Uh, one of the things he pointed out, and this is a little bit religious, but uh, we don't have most of the Book of Mormon. We only have the part that Joseph Smith was allowed to translate, and we have been chastised as a people because we haven't accepted that properly, and so we're not going. We're, we're under condemnation according to the doctrine and covenants, and until we accept it and start using the Book of Mormon the way it's supposed to be used we're not going to get the rest of it and uh, and I think the same thing goes along with, with our country majority of the people who live in this country have no clue what the founding values of this country were no clue who most of the founding fathers were no idea what the Constitution says and no idea what any of that stuff says and so ignorance is ignorant people are easy to lead to wherever you want them to go because they don't know any better And so part of that responsibility in becoming or being a great country and maintaining that greatness is teaching our children what it is that we have and what gift that we've been given and what the value of that gift is. And as a grandfather, I felt that it's my responsibility to do that with my grandkids. So I I ask them all the time, who is this person? Who is George Washington? And then we talk stories. I tell stories to them about it. Because if they don't know this stuff, and I'm not saying their parents aren't teaching them this stuff because they are. But... I feel as a grandfather, I'm going to make sure they know this stuff, and um, you know we we don't know this stuff. All, all we know is that you know religion in school is bad. Why? Well, because they say it's bad. But Joseph, I mean, but uh, George Washington said that uh, you know our founding father said that teaching religion in school is of primary importance, and not only that, but it used to be. You know, if you listen to the rest of this talk by Cleon Schaus, it used to be that most of the religious or most churches would actually worship in the colleges or even in the courthouse buildings before they had built the church buildings. And, and you know, because the, the government understood, the founding fathers understood that that, that foundation of moral values is what's going to keep this country going. And so if you want to destroy the country, then the opposition is going to say, well, just destroy their moral values and then we'll take care of the rest.
4: Happened to the Greeks, the Romans, any great civilization. Take away the family unit, and you've got it. You nailed it. They're done.
1: So we are responsible, each of us individually, for making sure that this country stays great.
4: I agree with that.
3: Even though you say uh, a lot of things that the young people should be taught today in school isn't being taught anymore. No, it's not. But as parents, you're right. That's where we step in and say, you know what? We're gonna make sure that you understand. You're gonna understand how great this country is and why this country is so great. And well, the sacri- go ahead. No, no, go ahead, keep going. I was just gonna say, and the sacrifices that were made by so many for you. Exactly. Yeah,
1: I mean, it, it's, it's a parent's responsibility to make sure their children are being taught properly. And, and I think for a long time, parents have just turned it over to the government or turned it over to the school system and not paid any attention. I do think that that's changing now. Look what happened in Virginia mm-hmm. recently and Florida is passing laws right now on teaching history. If you don't know your history, you got no future.
0: Yeah. Well, I I also imagine like as we talked like if if I was one of the brethren, I would be super upset at BYU right now as well because that is a church-run school and the church knows all of this. And a church-run institution is not going down the path that they should be. Yeah. Like...
1: Let me ask you a question. Yeah. Since you are closer to high school than anybody else in this room... i <laughs> the furthest away. By it. decades, <laughs> what you learned in school and then what you think you should have learned in school, is it the same thing or is it far, far? Well,
0: funny you said that because I started thinking about that when Ken was talking. Um, I... I look back in my AP history class um, and it being an AP class, the goal was everything we learn is in preparation for the test at the end of the year. So you get a good score on, on your AP test. Um, I feel like we spent so much time on not important stuff that we only made it up to the beginning of World War One. So when we got to the AP test, um, it was talking about stuff that happened in the 70s. And I was like, uh, I'll just make something up. Um, I think, I feel like when I was in high school, I got some of these values that need to be taught, but I, I think it was already on the way out the door. There was a, a lot of, a lot of kids didn't know a lot of stuff about our history. Um,
1: so separate what you knew from school and what your dad taught you.
0: And your mom. I think, so I th- I think school, because my teacher was, he was really awesome. I think school taught me, I would say 80%. And then I would say my parents taught me the other 20. But I, I almost put more value on the 20% because it's the gospel side of it. So I got that. Right, we talk about like, oh, Christopher Columbus came over and and discovered America. Nobody would dare say that he was inspired by the Lord and how much he prayed to the Lord. Um, Yeah, Elder Perry told us one of his sections is discovering America, and he tells us the story of Christopher Columbus and like how much he prayed and how much he gave credit to the Lord. Right, he Um, said he was
1: driven by the Holy Ghost to come out here, and the Book of Mormon said that he would be driven. It's interesting that those two entities spoke about the same experience that he would have of course columbus never heard of the book of mormon and, and at right. the time joseph smith didn't know that part of columbus right. story so um yeah. what
0: i i am interested i was thinking when Kendra and i have kids um not only is there going to be like a lot more history that has happened um and so more stuff to go through um but I, I'm hoping these essential things aren't completely gone. I mean, I have no problem teaching my kids that. Um, We've done good, kids. I I just think of like <laughs> like the the other the other kids, right? Like like kids that aren't members of the church,
4: right. um, or I, I, have I, parents yeah. that are not patriotic, or who don't that are concerned with themselves and not so much about being good citizens and and that's so important i'm very proud of leaf uh in a lot of ways he's um when he bought a book about the constitution and had the federalist papers in it and so on he actually uh was fulfilling some of the requirements the first presidency pushed forward in uh, in 1971 uh, or 1973 excuse me that we should learn what the intents of the Framers were and that we should study and learn the Federalist Papers and learn the things in that background. I mean, even the average age of the Framers was 44. That's pretty young, thinking about it.
3: In today's standards. (laughs) Yeah, I mean... They were three-quarters of the way through their life at that (laughs) point, if not more. Well, they all had white hair. (laughs) Benjamin Franklin... (laughs)
4: No jab there. (laughs) Yep. Benjamin Franklin, though, was 81. Yeah. Um, George Washington was 55. Alexander Hamilton was 32. James Madison, who recorded the proceedings of the convention for the framing of the Constitution, in his remarkable notes, he was only 36 years old.
1: You know, Ben Franklin, when he was in his 20s, they say wrote some of the most beautiful poems and and uh uh, i guess about his relationship with god
4: yeah they were all god fearing men they they didn't
3: they weren't ashamed to talk about it back then like people seem to be today
4: well because if you throw god out of the equation then there's no accountability you know you 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 don't have to worry about anything right
1: if you take god out of the equation then you don't have god-given rights anymore they're all government-given rights And whatever the government gives you, they can take away at their own will.
4: Exactly. Yeah, that's a good point. You know,
3: we've we've been able to blame a lot of things over the last couple of years on COVID. Um, But I think one of the one things that we can blame on COVID and be proud of is that parents today were more aware of what their kids were being taught in school than they were prior COVID because they didn't get stuck with the responsibility of teaching their kids. Um, and all of a sudden they're going, whoa, this, this, this isn't cutting it. Yeah. Um, so so I go back to my, one of the first statements I made this evening. And that was, I believe we're on a road to redemption. Um, I I think we still got some bumpy spots ahead of us. I think we're definitely Um, at a turning point where we've got to make a decision. to go We we are.
4: Well, adversity will bring the best out in us. No. Because without that adversity, you you don't have the opportunity to become the best you can become. If everything's easy, you become lazy and lackadaisical. And then you become dependent upon other entities or people. And now we're seeing that we need to step up to the plate. And we need to do our jobs as parents and as citizens.
3: I, I agree with that, and I think we all, in, including myself, um, we may not always agree politically with somebody, whether it's our neighbors or somebody in church or, or somebody we work with. But I think it's our responsibility to try to have a civil conversation with them, listen to their side of the story, but on the same term, they should listen to what we have to say, and then block and delete them, and then block and them, give them the B and D. D and D, Bob and Dunkel. I have a
1: question for you, Ken. This, uh, oh, I'm sure I got an answer. You has can. occurred to me. Yesterday, a reference was made. Your <laughs> reference was made comparing what happened in um, in uh, last year on the sixth of January at the Capitol Building yep. to uh, to uh, December seventh.
4: Yeah, to Pearl Harbor. Day.
1: day. And to uh, no September and
3: 9/11. 9-11. No comparison. As a vet, how does that make you feel? It disgusts me that they would even make a comment like that. Um, first of all, on both of those situations, we were attacked by an outside entity that tried to destroy this country. What happened on, this is my personal feelings, what happened a year ago yesterday in the capital was a demonstration that went awry by a handful of stupid people. People that, yes, that building belongs to us, we the people, but they don't have a right to destroy that building. The people that did any type of damage, any type of theft, they should be arrested and held to the highest accountability. Now, why do we have... 70 to hundred people a year later, basically political prisoners still locked up in jail and have never been charged.
4: And it's They've only been, been talked about that they could be charged with trespassing and right. that's it. They want to keep them in for a year. They
3: terminology out there about an insurrection. Look up what the look up what an insurrection is. There was no insurrection period. It was a demonstration by a, I mean, how many people were there? Hundreds of thousands of people. You know what I and a handful of idiots did some stupid things. You know what I didn't realize was that
1: that capital building had been bombed in the 50s and again in the 70s.
4: Yeah. Oh, yeah. And this that, is not uh, the first time that something's happened there.
1: Yeah, anyway. We Dramatic. Any deeper into that political hot potato, but I, I, no, just I it was, was curious the, because... No,
3: I actually shut the television off yesterday after I heard that comment the first time. I said, I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and listen to this nonsense well, because
1: that's just what it is. It, it demeans, I th- in my, you know, as a younger adult, I'm not young, but as a younger mm-hmm. adult who grew up in the shadow of, of December 7th and who experienced uh, 9-11, it, it was diminishing to those experiences and to those people who truly sacrificed their lives uh, in, a, in, a, in a horrible, horrible way.
4: Absolutely. Exactly. I heard Absolutely. on a radio talk show today, a caller expressed that if December 7th would truly be compared to what happened on January 6th, then only one Japanese would have died. And everybody else would have just gone to jail. It doesn't make any sense. It, it's dis, yeah. It's disgusting to me. And thank you, Ken, um, again for your service and, and for that opinion. Because you're right on. It's it's not appropriate. It is totally inappropriate. And anyone who should do something like that, they they should not have any respect or or credibility because they've expressed that they don't have credibility. It
1: just, it just, it really makes it difficult to have an extreme when everything's extreme.
4: What an insult, yeah.
1: Um, you know, when you start throwing terminology around, like he's a Nazi or this, that, or the other, it, it diminishes what that really means. And uh, at any rate,
3: I think we
0: probably... I think it's dinner it. time. Yeah, yeah. It's,
3: it's about time. Well, for civility food. has to come back. It's civility has to come back. There's no doubt about that.
1: Um, well, this is the most serious podcast we've ever had i think
0: yeah well i think when it's something we're passionate about and you know I a fire up, that started over the summer that that you know <laughs> we have just thought about <laughs> i still up, smoldering yeah <laughs>
1: i grew up a military brat when i was on the i i went to high school in germany um had that experience my dad was in the military over there you know when you were driving down the street at, at a certain time on the base and you heard the bugles go you stopped your car, you got out, you looked towards the flag, and you, you put your hand over your heart. And if you're wearing a uniform, you got out of your car and you saluted the flag. And to this day, that experience has stayed with me. You know, ultimate respect for what, that, for what it represents, for all those people who gave everything. Um, I can't even begin to express my gratitude. And that, that was instilled to me early on by my dad. That's one of the things I'm truly grateful I have the gospel because of my parents, and I have that ultimate respect for for that flag and for what it stands for.
4: Me too. Well, me thank too. you for letting me join you. I'm passionate about the Constitution and about the United States of America, the promised land that God has given. God bless America.
2: God
0: bless I, I, America think oh, I think we answered the question pretty well. <laughs> Amen to that. Yeah. Amen to that. Just got to get our righteousness level up.
1: Yeah, we got to work on that, people. We do. Go to church.
0: <laughs> Do I don't you... care what church you go to. Just go to just church. Just go to church.
4: And follow the tenets of your beliefs.
0: That's right. Well, we're not sure what our next topic is. We'll figure it out. Um, so it'll be a surprise this time. We've yeah. spoiled it and all the other ones, but now it'll be a surprise. Um, whoever's listening, if you guys have topic suggestions, let us know. We appreciate your ears for 50 minutes. Um, we hope you've learned something. We hope you've, I don't know. Something has piqued your interest. Your heart has been touched. Help you sleep at night. Um, Thanks for listening.